Thank you, Pastor James. It is amazing to be here um, this morning and just have so enjoyed our time of worship this morning. So thank you for, for leading us in worship. Uh, just to, to start off with, uh, like James said, I um, uh, quite often where I, I go just bring a, a few prophetic messages. And so uh, this morning I just had a few. And so Wayne, I just felt like I saw the picture of... Um, uh, it was Jonathan going up with his armor bearer. So it was, a, it was a, quite a climb up to the top of the hill. But then when they got to the top, then the enemy um, fell before them. And I just felt like there will be a, a suddenly of God. And it will be uh, not, not just a one by one, but a many falling away. So it will be a, quite a, a high impact. Um, but, but the suddenly of God will, will come. <laughs> And, um, and the lady I was talking uh, with uh, to start off with um, in black and white at the back there, uh, yeah, um, I just, um, I felt like the Lord saying that, um, that you go out uh, behind the enemy lines and bring the kingdom of God, but it's not just the individual meetings that you're having with people to bring the kingdom of God there, um, that you're actually weakening the defenses of the enemy across the city, and uh, there will be people coming after you who will find it easier to share their faith um, in the marketplace and, and in the, the enemy's camp. Um, lady uh, with the black top and the heart um, uh, in the front, uh, I just I see you as a, a disciple, someone raising up people in the faith, and I see you as being multi-gifted, um, multifaceted, and I see you calling out the destiny of many people. Uh, I see kids around you, and I see other people around you as well, and you lead them uh, in their faith in, in the Lord. Um, and yeah, uh, second row back, um, just with the glasses on. Uh, I just feel like there's going to be an opportunity in the, in the next couple of weeks. Um, step out in faith, a God opportunity. And he's always got, God has always got great plans, great ideas. And so just look out for, for what that is and, and just be in faith for that. Um, uh, Kyron, I just feel like God's going to make you successful, prosperous in whatever you do. Um, and it will be global. It will be around the world in different places. So um, just have your, your faith and expectations set high. And, uh, and the Lord will lead you and guide you. Um, and uh, Marty, it's, it's awesome to, uh, to have you here the, this morning and, and to see you. And uh, I just feel like there are um, spheres and realms that you'll step into, you know, even greater than what you've had before. And it will be, there'll be a release and a flow of the, the spirit. Um, and, and the spheres are getting bigger. They're, they're getting larger. Um, and... Um, uh, Tessa, I just felt like where, where you go, you set up a river, uh, the river of the Lord, the, the river of anointing, um, into dry places. I, I see the Lord setting you in, in um, uh, wilderness places, people's lives, but you set up a river, and then when you leave, the river remains and continues to flow. So uh, th those are a few words this morning. And you know what? I was just thinking that each of us actually need to be led by the Spirit to hear from God in the moment and to partner with Him in terms of what He's doing on the earth. And this morning I represent persecuted believers around the world, and they really need to be led by the Spirit because, you know, they could walk around the, the wrong corner, talk to the wrong person, and, and they could be killed for just simply being a believer in Jesus Christ. Um, I was also thinking that, you know, we're, we're here this morning because this is where we always meet. You know, we come here to church, there's a sign outside, there's a welcome team, and, and we come here to church. But, 
You know, in some places in the world, it's so dangerous to meet as believers that there is no pre-organized venue. And so believers actually have to be hearing from God as to where the other people will be meeting so that they can get together and, and have the fellowship of believers. I don't, I don't know if uh, I'd be able to find it my way to church this morning if that was the, the case. But, um, you know, there's just this need to be led by the Lord. And so my name's Mike Burrows. I'm on team at Open Doors. And Open Doors serves Christians who live in the toughest places in the world for the gospel. And it's just a real privilege to be able to serve them. But I thought I would uh, introduce my family to you as well. I've been married to my wife, Anne, for 15 years, got three kids. Caleb is 13, Aiden is 11, and Liberty is 9, um, and works in the Open Doors office with me. She about 20, 25 years ago, smuggled Bibles into Vietnam, uh, met Brother Andrew, who began this ministry. And so we've been supporting for a long time and uh, awesome to be working with her. But what I wanted to do is just take out a little bit of time this morning just to share with you how I myself got on team at Open Doors. I just felt like this could be an encouragement to someone this morning. So um, I was a, a graphic designer actually for about 15, 20 years before coming on team at, at Open Doors and um, just using the gift that God had given me. And so my last position that I had here in Wellington, that was four years ago, I've been on team now full-time for four years, um, I was actually really struggling in that workplace. And I, um, throughout the time I was there, was, was actually looking for another job. It just felt like um, I just wasn't happy where I was. And so I was looking for work for, for another graphic design job for about two or two and a half years. And it was getting really tough. And I remember having one interview, and there was about 80 people who applied, got down to the last two, and missed out on the job. And I was like, God, what are you doing? And I just got quite depressed. It was two days before Christmas. So I had kind of a depressed Christmas that, that day. And I really didn't know what um, God was, was doing. So... Um, after about two years of looking, uh, my wife and I decided to sow a faith seed. We decided to give an offering. Normally, we would, and, and it was with a, a prayer attached to it, God, just help me to find another job, uh, another graphics job. And so we would normally give um, the offering to our local church, which we've been going to for the last 13 years. But this time we thought, why not give it to Open Doors? We were already supporting the ministry, and uh, it was completely outside of my frame of reference that I could actually work for such an organization like that. I kind of put open doors in the basket of being overseas, and so um, gave that offering, and then a job description came out to all the supporters around the country. We were already supporters, and in fact, two job descriptions came out, one for church engagement manager, who knows what, what that is, um, and uh, one for office manager. And so looking for a graphics job, I kind of pushed, uh, I immediately ignored the position and, and pushed it across to my wife, and I said, well, look, the kids are in school at the moment uh, now. Why don't you look for a, an office job? Why don't you apply for this one during school hours? And so she says, well, I'll apply for that if you apply for this one. <laughs> and so uh, rewrite my CV and... Um, uh, both applied for the job, and by the way, both of those jobs were Auckland-based, um, but we're living in Wellington, 
And, but hey, why not? Let's apply for the jobs. And so we ended up applying and getting the jobs. They moved the office down here to Wellington. And um, about a week into the position, God reminded me of the faith seed that I sowed six months earlier to open doors. And God said, well, that was um, a part of the way of getting you into this ministry. And I was just thinking that it was such a hard time before getting into, well, full-time ministry now, but I didn't realize it was actually the closing of one career and then the opening of of full-time ministry now. uh, Well, this year... I'll be able to um, be in 50 churches, speak about 80 times, have about 100 lattes with pastors, and um, I'll be able to actually visit the persecuted church and, and meet the champions of the faith. It's, it's amazing. And really, for me, just in terms of being led by the Spirit, sometimes we've just got to follow those small promptings that might just seem like a good idea. But actually, the Holy Spirit, he's speaking all the time. To me, just giving the offering there instead of there, um, it just felt like a, um, it didn't even feel like a God idea, but we just went ahead and did it anyway, and the Lord was leading. And so, but the other encouragement this morning is that if you are going through a bit of a squeeze at the moment, or it's a, a difficult time, that it could be the, the closing of one season and the stepping into something fresh, something new. So always be in faith and um, always be expectant for what God wants to do. So I want to um, share a portion of scripture with you this morning, but I'll begin by sharing this Open Doors um, story first. So in the, the nation of Burkina Faso, there's been an attack there on a church, and it's quite significant. This was just a few months ago. But this attack on the church, it's the first time in the nation's history that there has been an attack like this. And so what we're saying is that persecution is actually spreading across the earth at the moment. So the church was just finishing up their service and outside some gunmen, uh, so the nation of Burkina Faso is in West Africa. Um, So as they were closing out the service, some gunmen arrived on motorbikes and burst into the service and shot some, fired some shots and pulled all the Christians outside and told them to, to stand under a tree. What they did was they took the Bibles off all the believers, took their phones off them and said to them, if you don't renounce your faith in Jesus Christ, we're going, to, we're going to kill you. And so what they did was one by one, they took a believer, walked them behind the church, and said to them, renounce your faith in Jesus Christ. If the person said, no, nope, not going to do that, shot dead went and grabbed the next person and took them behind the church and shot them as well. I mean, imagine a gathering, you know, like this. I mean, we know each other, you know, friends, families, and and you see each one of them going behind the church, hearing the the shot fired and, and not coming back. Of the people who died that day, one was the pastor and his his two sons. And out of those three, I don't know who was the the last to go. Maybe one of the sons said, oh, well, there goes my dad. Oh, well, there there goes my brother. Okay, well, here goes me. Shot and killed for their faith. 
Interestingly, um, a little while before that, uh, the church had found out that persecution was coming, that they'd been told, look, it's starting to get really dangerous for you. Um, but the, the pastor, Pastor Pierre, actually said um, the, the thing that he is quoted as saying is, I would rather die for my faith than leave the community and the church that I've been pastoring for these last 40 years. And so all that time, he had been free to pastor and lead the church, and now persecution is coming into that nation. And I just think it's amazing. Again, you know, Pastor Pierre being led by the Spirit, he could have chosen to go with about 100 Christians actually fled the area. But what he did as a pastor is he chose to stay. He chose to finish the race. He chose to stand with those who... uh, decided that, you know what, where I set my feet, that's where, that's the territory that the Lord has given to me. And so he stayed, and again, I think of Jesus, you know, I'm so glad that Jesus stayed. Jesus stayed on the cross, died for us, and and endured all of that. So this is the the people, the the church that we support, Open Doors, and, and what we do is we help Christians all over the world follow Jesus no matter the cost. And so we get Bibles into the hands of believers. We, we've always done that as Open Doors. Open Doors began with Brother Andrew smuggling Bibles into Eastern Europe. We're talking about the living Word of God, getting the Bible into churches, into communities. We also do leadership training. I mean, the, the pastoral issues are, my family's trying to kill me, what, what do I do? And so we encourage and we support them We do food and shelter, trauma counseling, and serve the underground church and and basically just help the church be the church in the toughest places in the world for the gospel. And for me, I've been a Christian all of my life, but really in the last four years, being on Team Open Doors, uh, for me, uh, my faith has really um, got deeper in God as I've heard the stories of those who are willing to stand in the face of death and pro- proclaim you know, their faith in Jesus Christ. And for me, it really does tear back the, the, the veil on the spiritual battle that is all around us. So it's just a, an example of what's a window into what's happening around the world. But I want to share this verse with you this morning. And it comes from Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. And it says, Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And, you know, Paul is, is writing this from prison. And he's recalling some of the things uh, that, that come to mind in terms of the things that he has had to endure. And I, I consider Paul as being one of our brothers and sisters from the persecuted church. I mean, he's recalling to mind, he wrote this book four years earlier. He wrote um, uh, uh, 2 Corinthians four years before he wrote um, uh, Philippines. And he's just going through, I'm not going to um, mention all of these to you, but you know, he received 40 lashes minus one, beaten with rods, he was pelted with stones. And you know what, being stoned is like, the, the point is that they're trying to kill you. you know. And I think it's Acts chapter 10, and it talks about how they dragged Paul out thinking he was dead. 
I mean, he might have been dead and his friends might have resurrected him back to life. Either way, um, he he was going through a a tough time. So you've got all these different things that he was exposed to. And the verse continues. Uh, He'd been without sleep. He'd been without food. And he recalls these things. And you know what he says? He he thinks to himself, you know what? Hasn't been too bad. (laughs) It's been okay. You know what? Through all of this, The gospel has advanced, and you know what? Could have been worse. (laughs) That's his kind of his comment. That's kind of what the the feeling that you get as he's reading from, um, as as we're reading from the book of Philippines. And I don't know what uh, difficulties that that we've been through, and of course, some of the challenges very real, and uh, the difficulties significant, but the the persecuted church has just got this way of putting our lives into perspective. And... um, so the thing is that, that we will get through, you know, there is an end goal, there is a final resting place, there is an eternity to have faith in, but while we're here, we do need to, need to fight, and we need to stand with our brothers and sisters, we need to advance the gospel here in our community, and also partner with those who are doing it around the world. And this is a, a spiritual battle that, that is raging around us, um, and both here and overseas on the front lines, we want to be in the fight helping God's kids, our brothers and sisters, our wider church family to extend the gospel where they are. I'll share with you a, um, uh, another story as well. So um, we've got the, the kids uh, off at, at Sunday school at the moment, which is, which is cool. Uh, in fact, just a, a side note, um, in Central Asia, we recently um, were talking with a pastor, and he went from being the senior pastor to being the Sunday school teacher, because in that country, it's illegal for people to go to church under the age of 16. That's how the government is controlling the church. And so, actually, um, the most dangerous job you can have is being the Sunday school teacher in that nation. And so, um, the senior pastor stepped down from being a senior pastor to being the Sunday school teacher Um, but just a a side note so recently a Sunday school teacher asked the question to her class and the all the children responded to that question by raising their hands as if to say yes and her question was this how many of you would be willing to die for Jesus well a few minutes after that half of them did so you know the story, um, probably in Sri Lanka, Easter Sunday this year, there were, on April 21st, there were six explosions, three went off in three churches and three, another, and three hotels. Five hours later, another blast and then another blast as well. So over 250 people were killed and over 500 injured in those suicide blasts. So in Sri Lanka, um, one of those churches was Zion Church, where one of those blasts went off. And the Sunday school teacher had simply asked the question, how many of you, you know, to the kids, how many of you would be willing to die for Jesus? And you know, in most Sunday school settings, that's more of an academic question, you know, rather than a, a literal question that w- would be asked. And... Every one of those kids uh, raised their hands, and what they did was um, the Sunday school class lit a candle 
to represent their fresh dedication to follow the Lord. And so they lit that candle, then they all went downstairs to join the, the main assembly, and then that's where the blast went off, and half of them were immediately killed, others injured. One of the young boys that was killed was the pastor's only son as well. And the pastor said this, um, well, this is actually situation normal for, for us. He says, we want to say to the group who sent the suicide bomber, we love you and we forgive you. No matter what you've done to us, we love you because we believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so what, what an amazing, powerful expression of, of his faith and of the, the sentiment of, of us as believers. You know, we, we love God and then uh, love our neighbor as ourselves, even love our enemies and to show the gospel. And I think of this verse. Um, so there's the, the remains of the, the church there. And I think of our verse again. Um, now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. And it's amazing. You know, you really can't stop the kingdom of God through persecution. You, you, you could kill believers, but the kingdom of God will continue to advance. You know, whether God delivers a person or not, there is always the advancing of the kingdom of God. And so... Um, persecution has just got this way of, of really galvanizing the church. The Iraqi believer said, well, uh, before ISIS came, uh, I was a Christian by name, but now my faith has become alive. Since I've lost, it, lost everything, my faith has become so real to me. And so um, this is the, the world of the persecuted church. And so, um, but there are, are ways that we, you and I, can become involved in. And I know that, that this church here is such a great missions-hearted church and just so many relationships and so many outreaches and so many things that is happening from this church here, which is amazing. And for us uh, at Open Doors, whenever I, I share, I, um, I want to try and connect people with the word of the persecuted church. So uh, out the back, uh, at the back there, I've got some of our Frontline Faith magazines. You can uh, pick those up. And really, this is a way of um, becoming uh, aware and just reading some of the stories, some of the recent stories from the world of the persecuted church. We've got our prayer guides as well. And uh, the great thing about these prayer guides is that um, the, it's, the same, it's people praying for the same thing at the same time across New Zealand, Australia, and so we just have these daily prayer guides. And the other thing that we can do to, to help is to financially support the, the work of what we do serving the persecuted church. And one of the, the things that I think of is in our lives we have subscriptions, you know, maybe Spotify, Netflix, maybe it's our mobile phone, maybe, maybe the local coffee shop um, subscription each month. Um, would you consider today perhaps even matching one of the subscriptions that you have and subscribe to the survival of the church 
in the toughest places on earth for the gospel. So what we do is I've got a um, sign-up form here and you can uh, choose a, an amount per month um, and then a, a region of the world. And what we have is we've got these frontline partner packs that we like to give people if you want to sign up. And, and it's just a way of saying thanks for, for doing that. It's got a prayer card, a stand, and uh, just a, a way of reminding us to serve the, um, to pray for and help support the persecuted church. So, um, and I'd love to give you a world watch list guidebook as well if you want to do that. But just wanting to draw your attention to that, I'd love to talk with you at the end um, if you'd like to do that. But what I'll do is I want to finish by uh, sharing just one more story with you. Uh, and this is a, a recent one that has uh, come through. It's it's getting a lot tougher in India to be a Christian at the moment. Uh, we've seen India rising on the, uh, the world watch list we produce each year. Uh, this year it's at number 10, and just a few years ago it was at number 28. And so, in fact, everywhere around the world it's becoming harder. Persecution is intensifying, but it is also spreading. But I will tell you this, that more people are coming to Christ today than ever before. And so even though persecution is getting tougher, um, the, the Lord is, is winning, and, and the, the kingdom of God is growing. And so... This is a story from India, and it's about um, Bina and her family. So when Bina and her husband and her son became Christians, they were Hindu, when they became Christians, they started to receive threats from their neighbors. And so eventually, one day, the village leaders called Bina and her husband and her son to a meeting to confront them about their newfound faith. And so as they were uh, talking, the meeting started to deteriorate and the men started to um, beat and punch and kick Bina. And so uh, her husband stepped in so that she could run and they started to, um, to lay into him and Bina managed to escape with her son. But as they were running, she looked back and out of the corner of her eye, she could see that they were tying up her husband's hands, uh, ready to throw him into the water uh, to drown him. And so she just ran. Uh, she was being pursued, and as they were running, they, they found a, a hut. Uh, they knocked on the door, and, and the people of the hut says, yeah, sure, come in. And so they hid them in there. As the pursuers came past, they said, oh, no, they've run the other way. And so Bina and her son were safe in the hut uh, until the owners of the hut found out that they were Christians. And they said, well, you're, you're Christians. You have to leave. You, you can't stay here. And so the only place that Bina and her son knew to go was to the pastor's house. And it was about an hour away, an hour's walk. By that time, it was night. It was cold. Uh, they didn't have any warm clothes, and so they just started to walk towards the pastor's house. Where else do we go? She said that their feet started to bleed, just no shoes, and they were freezing and throughout that journey to the pastor's house, she, she's lost her husband. She um, doesn't know what's going to happen next and just in such a, a desperate, dark place. As they were getting closer to the pastor's house, they, they heard singing. 
coming from the house and, and heard that, well, actually there was a, a worship and prayer service going on. And as they got even closer to the house, there was a, a voice in amongst the voices that she recognized. And it was the voice of her husband. As she got up to the front door, the door opened, and there he was, sitting in the middle of a group of other believers singing and praising around him. And what had happened was as the people had um, tied up his hands and thrown him into the water, yelling at him, you're going to die today, his, the, the ropes miraculously were loosened, they fell off his arms, and he was able to get out and escape and run. And he got himself to the pastor's house. And Bina said, out of all the thoughts that I was thinking over those last number of hours, over that afternoon and that evening, I could not have imagined that I would be able to see my husband again. And so how amazing, you know, there are miraculous um, deliverances that the Lord does in, in the world of the persecuted church. We just don't know what is going to happen. And so we just need to be in faith. We need to be in faith no matter what the, the situation and what the struggle is. Um, I know that we face many real challenges here, but around the world there will be people who are suffering and dying for their faith today. I think of the fact that the sun uh, rises upon New Zealand first. Here we are, gathered together, having church this morning, and the sun will continue to, to glide across the, the surface of, of the earth, and more and more people will be gathering together for church. What about Sri Lanka? There will be families who will be thinking, do we go to church today? Might come back with half my family. There will be people in Burkina Faso well, we've had an attack on a church. What happens if we go to church today? But there is something about the, the resoluteness and the boldness and the courage and the faith of the persecuted church, especially when our team goes, um, especially places like Egypt, they come back and say, man, they have got courage. I mean, in, in Egypt, it's actually traditional for Coptic Christians to get a tattoo of a, a cross on their wrist to outwardly show themselves as being believers in Jesus Christ. And they could be killed simply if someone sees that cross on their wrist. And so this morning I want to close up and, and I want to, to pray together, pray again. Let's pray for churches as, um, as they meet together and, and uh, gather for worship this morning. Um, let's pray for the, the churches in Sri Lanka. Let's pray for the churches in Burkina Faso that the Lord will uh, be there and the Lord will protect them today. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Lord God, I, I thank you for your plan of salvation. Lord Jesus, you've saved us. You're, you're building your church. You're advancing your kingdom on the earth. And this morning, Lord, we uh, just think uh, wider and broader. Think of our wider church family, Lord God, our brothers and sisters in Sri Lanka who are meeting together this morning. I pray, Lord God, as they come together, that they'll have an amazing time in your presence. I pray that they would be encouraged this morning. Lord, family, families who are um, meeting in church who uh, the previous year had a bigger family, but still dealing with that loss and that grief of uh, losing loved ones. And Lord, I pray for Zion Church and uh, for the pastor there, that they will have such an amazing, joyful service this morning. Lord, we pray for salvation 
salvation. We pray that you would draw others into your church, into your kingdom. Lord, that uh, Zion Church would be full this morning and that they will be protected. They'll be able to worship you in safety. Lord, we pray also for Burkina Faso and another part of the world that God, as is, is those worship services are, are going to happen in, in some hours' time, Lord, we pray that your spirit would be there. We pray for protection. We pray for favor and grace, Lord Jesus. We pray that as your word pr is preached, that it will be powerful, that healings would take place and miracles, signs and wonders, Lord Jesus. We pray that you would encourage your church and you would help them to stay strong to the end. Lord God, we're praying for uh, your spirit and for your presence to be there in those places. And Lord, we thank you for us being able to so freely gather here this morning. And we pray, Lord, that as we uh, just for a, a morning put our lives into the, the context or the framework of the persecuted church, of our wider church family, I pray that you would encourage us through our difficulties, the trials that we have, I pray, Lord, that you would um, lift our sights and lift our, our eyes and our faith that we might um, fight the good fight, as you say, Lord, in, in Timothy, and not only uh, have our eyes lifted and focused on the community around us, but also uh, around the world as well. And so, Lord, we give you praise and we give you glory for the opportunity to be here together this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So thanks so much for the chance to, to speak here this morning and I'd uh, love to talk with you up the back. Uh, thanks so much, James.